0: Welcome to Continuously Brave, a podcast for women who don't necessarily see themselves as being brave, exploring topics surrounding being brave and living our best lives the only way we know how. I'm your host, Ali Grace Muir, and this is Continuously Brave. share with you Zoe from Zoe Linda's story. Zoe Linda helps digital product creators increase their passive income and scale their business through affiliate marketing. we cover a whole wide range of topics in this episode about anxiety, losing a parent, building a business online, pivoting your business, getting out of your comfort zone, breaking up from a long-term partner and facing your fears and self-doubt and so much more. It's such a great episode and I really and love chatting with Zoe. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hi Zoe! Welcome to Continuously Brave. I'm so happy and excited that you're here.
1: I'm so happy to be here and talk with you about everything. I'm so excited.
0: Yeah, me too. I've been following you for such a long time as well. So this feels like it was inevitable. It was meant to happen because I've had like such a girl crush on you for such a long time as <laughs> well.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know we've been, we've like connected so many times before but this is the first time we're actually like chatting and yeah I'm excited.
0: Yeah me too um, and I've been following you since you started out offering Instagram and Pinterest and you've done that awesome amazing thing where you've gone along and as you've grown and evolved so has your business and so how's how you use social media and one of mm-hmm. the amazing amazing things that I love that you do, is that you talk about your anxiety, um, because it's, it's, it's such a stigma about it, even though it's more popular, popular's not the right word, but it's more common, more talked about, there's still like a bit of a stigma behind it, isn't there?
1: Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: And so, but when you talk about it, you talk about it, it you normalise it so much, obviously it's part of your life, so you do that, but can you talk about how your anxiety has affected you?
1: Mm-hmm, so... Yeah. So my anxiety and yeah, one of the things I would say before I say this is it's so hard to talk about that kind of thing. Like when I first started talking about it, um, on Instagram stories, it felt really hard, but then it got to a point where it was like, I talk about my life on Instagram stories and it was something that was affecting me on a daily basis. And it felt just really fake, like not to talk about it. Um, because it felt like I would just be focusing on what was going well instead of talking about like what was actually happening. Um, so yeah, that's what's something that, and when I talk about it online and, um, on Instagram stories, I typically get, um, at least one person responding, saying like you have encouraged me to talk about it. And, um, so if anyone's listening who has anxiety or any problems like that, and you, regularly use instagram stories anyway but you haven't spoken about it on like those down days or when you've been struggling then i know it's really hard but i would just encourage you to try it um and it's scary but it it just helps break down that stigma and normalize it for everyone else that is that has it and of course there'll be people that suffer with it that will never feel comfortable about talking with uh, talking about it um but it's yeah, without like putting myself on a pedestal. It's the people that um do talk about it that help them kind of like um yeah, realize that it is normal and it affects so many people and um and that we're all here to support and help each other. So yeah, that's my <laughs> that's my TED talk. Um but, <laughs> but yeah, so um my anxiety, well, uh that kind of started when I worked in London. Um so I worked at this digital marketing agency and um It was my first job out of uni. I literally graduated on the Friday and started this job in London on the Tuesday. (laughs) Um, I was like a fresh-faced graduate, um, didn't really know what I was doing. And um, yeah, kind of went from like a leadership role at uni because we did a lot of like – because I did arts and events management and we did a lot of um, like live events and we had to work in teams. And I would typically be someone who – um in like in my own way I would like lead the team and I would um take that kind of role um but when I went to work in London I was like the bottom of the ladder and had to take a lot of direction and when you made a mistake like the first couple of times it would be fine but then it would be like really serious and it would there was a lot of pressure and I was working with um like big film studio clients on really big blockbuster films and there was a lot of pressure to get everything right um and it got to a point where I'd be going to client meetings and I would just feel like I was constantly like about to faint and at the time I didn't know that it was anxiety um I thought I had some kind of like stomach problem or that I just wasn't eating enough before I went to these meetings or something like that. And I went to the doctors about it and had like loads of blood tests and loads of like other tests to find out what was wrong and they couldn't put it down to anything. Um, and then one day, I think I went for a blood test and the nurse was like asking me questions and she was like, it just sounds like you're really stressed and you have anxiety. And I remember leaving that appointment being like, oh, I didn't even consider it. Like even though anxiety and depression like runs in my family, I didn't have anyone be like, huh, maybe it's this before. So I hadn't considered that it was that. Um, but what one of the things that I noticed was that it was only cropping up in a social situation. So it was like, if I was... On a train or if I was in a meeting or if it was something where there was a lot of people or I couldn't leave without being awkward or you know on a train like on the tube in London it can get so busy and you can't easily leave like especially if the train is stuck in a tunnel or something um it would be this fear of like oh no what if I pass out or what if I throw up or what what if this happens and what is everyone going to think of me blah 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 and that's kind of where it like stemmed from Um, but then I moved back home, um, to start my own business and it kind of like went away for a couple of years. Um, I did kind of like struggle with going out to see friends, but I didn't really call it or label it anxiety. Um, because I didn't think that it was that I think I just thought it was like nervousness. And then this is like my whole life story now. And then (laughs) I went on a holiday with my dad my sister my younger sister and um my nan and it was a cruise and basically the cruise line was really swanky and everyone was like really posh and um we would go up for dinner every evening and it felt like I had to stay during these dinners and it felt like if I wanted to leave I would be judged for leaving early or it felt like I there was this like unspoken obligation and that kind of brought this anxiety back where i was like i feel like i would be sitting at those dinners and would just be continually sipping water like water is one of my like quote unquote safety blankets for anxiety like if i feel anxious i need like a bottle of water in my hand um because it's just something to to do makes me feel like it's like a grounding technique for me yeah um so I would just drink like so much water at these meals, and I was thinking like, why? And originally, I think I thought, oh yeah, I'm just ill, or I just feel too hot because it was quite a, it was quite like a stuffy room, and there was lots of people, and it was really formal, and like the waiters were really formal, and it was just what you would expect if you went to any kind of like four or five star restaurant kind of experience, and yeah, I just felt like I couldn't easily leave, and then this kind of like built up and built up and then like it just got to a point where i was like i can't go to the dinners because i just feel so anxious and i would i would like leave to go to the toilet but then i wouldn't want to come back in um and i would just feel like my chest was like closing and my like really tightening my throat was closing and i would feel really panicked um and then on the flight home i'm not a fan of flying anyway but the flight home was awful because i'm because i was nervous about flying and then i was nervous about like oh what if i throw up or what if i pass out or whatever um and then yeah when i got home my anxiety just kind of got it was obvious that it was a lot worse um and then when i was going to like social events like parties or hanging out with my friends it just became more and more difficult um And I would end up, like, having panic attacks when I was sort of, yeah, just, like, seeing my friends and not really much would be happening. But in my head, it would be going a million miles an hour of all the things that could go wrong. Um, And then it kind of peaked. uh, So this was, like, July a couple of years ago. And then it kind of peaked over that winter um, because I think I just started to get um, seasonal affective disorder. So I just started to feel really down and um, didn't want to go out and then a couple of times I pushed myself Um, like one day I drove all the way down to London it was meant to be like a two-hour drive but it took me like four and a half hours because I kept having to pull over because I thought I was going to pass out Mm. Um, and it just took me so long and then when I got there I um, we went to the cinema and I just felt so nauseous and just really anxious and ended up having a panic attack and then I just went straight back home again and that took that just like that one day took me back like 10 10 steps of like improvement um and but yeah since then since like I don't know when I say specifically but definitely over the past year and definitely since um I broke up with my boyfriend. It, my anxiety has improved massively. Um, it's not something that affects me every day. Um, it's really manageable. It's something that, you know, I started to realize what my triggers were like caffeine massive, like massively affects me. Um, so I stopped drinking coffee. (laughs) Um, which yeah, some days I still have it, but I only really drink it on days. And I know there's a lot of people that know that caffeine affects our anxiety and, but still want to drink it. But the tip I'd say is that only drink it on a day when you know that you have nothing going on. Um, so like I wouldn't drink it on a day if I had like two or three calls, or I know I'm going to meet up with a friend, but if I'm, if I'm just at home doing work and I have nothing scheduled, then I would probably like have a cup in the morning. Um, because I know that if I feel anxious or anything, I can just put it down to the coffee and it's not going to affect, it's not going to be, um, enhanced by anything because I'm just having like a chill day. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, um, about recognizing like the grounding techniques that work. Um, so like having water, um, for me having an apple really helps uh because it's really That's crunchy so random isn't it yeah. <laughs> it's like why um but yeah it's because it's like really crunchy and it's it has such like a strong texture in your mouth that it grounds you um how did you find these techniques
0: that worked for you was it just trial and error
1: so the water thing I just kind of knew from like way back when I was in London and would be in those meetings and would like constantly be sipping water to to like have something to do so that's kind of just like a I guess compulsion is probably the right word like it's something that I just naturally do if I feel anxious um but the apple thing actually a therapist told me about um but it could be anything like it could yeah something that's like really crunchy or Has like, um, is rejuvenating really the right word? Like some kind of, it has some kind of like um, texture that's like crisp or like refreshing um, that can really help. Um, Is there anything else? Like maybe having some kind of um, like movement with your feet or your hands or something that's subtle that if you're starting to feel anxious, you can distract yourself with this kind of movement like sometimes I'll like twirl my ankles like if I'm at a dinner table no one can see your feet um so I'll like twirl my ankles around if that makes sense yeah um because it kind of distracts you from that feeling and just like rem- reminds you that you're in your body and you have control of that um but yeah I think there are so many different things that you know it's very case by case isn't it like what works for me not might not work for you But yeah, it's definitely become more manageable. Like I can easily go and see my friends without worrying. Like I don't get in the car and think, right, I'm going to do this. I just go and do it. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm so thankful that I've kind of gone through that stage and maybe that will come back and it will get worse again. Um, Touch wood, it doesn't. Um, But yeah, I'm thankful that um, it's gotten better (laughs) for sure.
0: Yeah it's amazing how well you've done now because before you were talking about it quite often and now obviously you've got a better way of like dealing with it and so it doesn't come up as frequently for you.
1: Mm. Yeah it's this weird like um, I've had this I've been thinking about that recently in terms of what I share on Instagram stories and to be honest I haven't been on Instagram stories as much as I used to be recently um, anyway Um, but I do kind of have moments where it's like, was I only sharing the bad stuff? Like, cause I should be sharing as well, the things that with my anxiety, like what is going well. Um, and yeah, I think that could be like encouraging for people, but uh, yeah, that's kind of a, that's a good point. <laughs> I should be like sharing um, that, how, how it has improved um, because I don't think I really have spoken about that very much.
0: But it's that whole sometimes you can get caught up in your head, can't you, about it? That it's better now, so something else takes its place to talk about, and then you kind of, like, forget that you haven't said.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, um, yeah, I definitely don't want to talk about it in only a negative way, um, because it's it's not something that's completely gone. And I'd say that it's, like, it is a part of... I wouldn't say it defines me, but it's a part of who I am. Um, and I feel like if I only talk about it when it's bad, um, then it, I don't know if that, like, do you know what I mean? Am I making sense? I'm not trying, I'm trying I to like know, pull a do, sentence do. together. Yeah. I know what <laughs> you mean, yeah.
0: Yeah. The so part of that you were saying that you're managing anxiety over the last year has been better, but also you mentioned that you've broken up with your partner and that seems to have taken a big weight away from it as well.
1: Mm. Yeah. So when i broke up with my boyfriend that was like an instant like yeah weight off my shoulders um and you know the first the first like few weeks were really hard and we were still living together because he had to find somewhere to stay um but it was a really amicable breakup like it was my decision um but he took it really well and we handled it um well we were told we handled it very maturely and you know, there weren't any, like, disagreements or anything. Um, and, yeah, we had to obviously be civil, living together for, like, another three weeks. Um, and then, yeah, like, when he actually moved out, I just I just remember being told by some friends how much, like, lighter I was and how much they were like, oh, it's like Zoe's back. Like, she's, they were like, oh, you're more yourself. And it's like you had this weight on your shoulders and you didn't even realize um, so I think that really helped with, with, um, my anxiety and yeah, I've had like a couple of trips to see friends. Like I went to London, um, to see a friend and I went to Brighton, um, like a group of us went down to see a friend and that stuff I wouldn't have done. Um, you know, when I was in, when I was like in my anxiety, um, cause especially they're like really social based things. Um, I would have just like worried myself to the point of like yeah not going but I think the yeah it's hard to like pinpoint exactly what it is that helped it but I think it's just that like deep down I wasn't um like deep down I knew that I didn't want to be in that relationship anymore um but it took me certain things to yeah it was sort of like I I kind of see it as like I had like there was a path laid out for me and I just had to take the right steps at the right time to get to that completion and realize that that was what I needed to do
0: yeah, um that makes because
1: really I had, sense. yeah because I had a few moments over the past because we were together for five years and um there were a few times like over that period where I nearly did break up with him um but I was so scared because I he was my first boyfriend. Um we got together when I was twenty. I didn't really I was scared that I wouldn't find someone else or that I didn't really know I didn't really know what I was feeling because I'd never felt it before, because I did because I hadn't been with anyone else. Um and I would very openly sort of share these doubts with him. And he would always, um, end up kind of convincing me that it was normal to have doubts. And, um, we were very much in love and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, after kind of like following that journey and getting to that point, it was like, no, I, I actually haven't been in love with you for many years. Um, but I didn't really realize it, um, and though it seems like it's quite easy to look back and be like oh I wasted so many years I there's nothing I don't ever look back and regret any of it I feel I'm very much a person who believes everything happens for a reason and everything has its time and I feel like that the whole thing was supposed to happen and that was the exact right time for it to end and yeah when it did it did feel like a massive relief um a wave of relief kind of washed over me and um yeah it did help with anxiety as well because I just felt more confident that I was making the right decisions um and I felt more confident you know around my friends which meant that I had less anxiety around groups of people but yeah it's hard because you were suffering I mean with most things in in uh mental health it's it's hard to just like. Pinpoint it or break it down really simply because it's just such a collection of of um things over so many years <laughs> um that it's not like I can say, Oh yeah, breaking up with my boyfriend um helped because x y z um it's just yeah, I guess it's just a an unexplainable feeling i suppose of just that yeah like that weight being lifted and the relief of um yeah but uh it wasn't all <laughs> it was scary as well um being... yeah especially
0: you've been together for so long as well and it's something yeah brain fights if you it's like you're stuck in a comfort zone and then to get out your comfort zone your brain's like no
1: we can't do it yeah exactly um and one of the things where I was sort of like I knew it was the right time is because I was more upset about the fact that I was going to hurt him than I was about breaking up with him. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, I know that I need to do this cause I can't stay with someone for the rest of my life because I'm scared to hurt them. Um, that's not fair on it, either of us. Um, so yeah, that was uh, a big decision making factor. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was scary, but now I'm, I know that it was the right decision. I don't. I don't. I haven't had a day where I'm like, oh, I I really miss him. Um, It's hard living by myself when I lived with someone for four years, but it's not that I'm missing him specifically. It's just it's nice to have someone around, and that's kind of what I miss. And that just tells me that I know that it was the right decision. Um, and yeah, just a lot of. Um, had a lot of red flags over the years um, that kind of all piled up and turned into a, a bonfire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: You wrote a really lovely piece on Medium. I'll link it in the show notes. And it's called um, I Survived a Breakup as a Business Owner, Here's How. And mm-hmm. in it, you wrote it on Medium, you wrote, um, If Brick and mortar Businesses Shut Down for Emergencies, Why can't we shut down our online businesses When our brains need some downtime from drama And I really, really Mm. loved that And connected with that so hard Um, So obviously that's one thing that you learned From the breakup But what else did you learn Obviously from your anxiety And that you had to take a break from business stuff Is there anything else that you learned?
1: What else did I learn? I learned that it's so important To stay friends with people Even if you start a new relationship with someone Because... I think I'll, I think it's common that people can start a relationship and then they fall so deep into that that they stop talking to their friends, um, and I've had that happen to me with like friends in the past, um, and it sucks. But then when they come out of it, they then want your support, and it's hard to um, it's hard to be there for them when they have sort of disappeared off the face of the earth and. When I broke up with my boyfriend, I was really lucky to have a group of friends to support me, even though, like, over the past couple of years, because my anxiety got so bad, I wasn't really there for them. Um, and luckily, like, I have a f- group of friends that really understood that um, and they were there for me. Um, but yeah, that was just something that I learned because I felt really supported and loved um through that experience and I remember sort of talking to a mutual friend um about my ex and how he was handling things and um how I know that when we were together he sort of did that thing of not maintaining friendships because he was just happy with the way that we spent time together and I remember feeling um feeling lucky and grateful that I didn't sort of get too lost in the relationship to not maintain those friendships if that makes sense yeah um so that was a lesson that I learned um and sort of yeah something to bear that I will definitely like bear in mind in my next relationship is to kind of you know keep my friends close um another thing Oh, what was I going to say? I you lost it. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, another thing that I learned is to not lose yourself in a relationship. Um, That's so, really hard,
0: though, isn't it, sometimes?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, So I don't think I – me and my ex – well, me – I was never really dependent on the relationship. Um, I was never really, like, I always knew who I was without him and I could always picture a life without him, um, which was another red flag. Um, And I kind of always stayed an independent entity. Um, So I don't feel like this affected, this applied to me too much. But even then, like when I came out of it, I still felt, like I had lost myself a bit um, especially in terms of just my ambitions outside of my business Um, and because obviously being in a long-term relationship meant that I wasn't spending I wasn't really spending energy on much else apart from my business Um, so I really just had that to focus on Um, but now it's like I am spending more time with my friends I'm you know, spending time on Tinder or whatever, like talking to other guys, I'm spending more time doing things that I personally want to do because I don't have anyone else wanting to use the t v or whatever I don't have to go to bed at a certain time um just like so much more freedom, but that it's um so much more I can't think of the word it's like more freedom but less um like self discipline I suppose um and yeah, one of the things that I sort of realized when I came out of the relationship was that I sort of lost my flair on um, my passion for making music. Um, I lost my passion for writing and just so many things that, you know, I was doing so well with my business, but all of these, I wasn't spending, I wasn't sharing my energy with all my passions. I was just putting it all into that one um, thing. And I think that's something that for people who don't have their own business, but they're in like a loving relationship and they, they feel like they're really involved in it. They could be putting a lot of energy into that and not into what their goals are as an individual. Um, and I think that it is, yeah, like you said, it is much easier said than done. Um, but I think that that's like a lesson that I kind of learned and maybe in the future that will apply to me more than with my past relationship. Um, But yeah, that was something that I kind of realized and thought, you know, because I I know there are people um, in my life who are um, in such long-term loving relationships. And I wonder if they know who they are without that other person. Um, And obviously at the moment they don't see the point of even thinking about it but um you know anything can happen um and I think it's just important if you're in a relationship to con- just consider who you are as a as an independent person and do you are you doing what you want to do um and like are you are you could you stand alone without that person um not that you'd want to um But yeah, I guess that's kind of cynical. (laughs) No, not really. I think it's
0: all about hindsight and what you do to move forward and what you do next, isn't it?
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: In your post that you wrote about how you survived a breakup as a business owner, you took a break from work and just focused on yourself. How do you feel that that made a difference for you, that you could just stop what you're doing and just focus on yourself
1: at the time it was really great um, because it meant that I didn't have any added pressure of deadlines or anything and um, it felt like really freeing and it was a luxury um, to be able to do that um, because I do work for myself and um, I don't have many um, you know I don't have many bills to pay I I don't pay rent I live on my dad's land I don't have a mortgage to pay or anything like that um, I don't have any kids um, I have my dog but <laughs> she doesn't cost a lot um, to look after so I had that luxury and privilege of not being a- of being able to take that break um, so at the time it was great in hindsight I kind of wished I'd had just powered through it um, because I um I really lost momentum um so I think I I mean I don't I don't re- I'm I mean I say I wish I had but I don't I don't regret it um but at the end of like last year um toward the end of the year I was just so busy I had so many clients Um, it was, it got to the point where it was hard to keep up with everything and I was getting new client inquiries all the time. But then when I took this break, I let a couple of clients go because they weren't a good fit for me in that headspace. Um, either they were too draining or they just required too much of me and I knew I wouldn't be able to um, perform in the same way as I had before. Um, and obviously, at the time, I didn't know what was going to happen. I'd just broken up with my boyfriend of five years. I didn't know how long it was going to take me to get over it. I didn't know if I was going to change my mind. I was, it was just complete unknown. And I didn't want to... There were just... Yeah, I didn't want to kind of drag my clients along for the ride. I wanted to take that break. Um, but yeah, in hindsight, I... I feel like I should have maybe powered through it a little more because I did lose so much momentum and it has been really hard getting that momentum back. Um, because I've just had not as many clients as I'm used to having, which means I have more free time, which means I'm doing a lot of, I wouldn't even say it's procrastinating because I'm sort of deciding, actively deciding to spend time on things that aren't on my business. Um, which I think is fair enough because I've been working pretty solidly on my business for the past like three years, um, in February. And, uh, it was sort of time to focus on things like creating music again, um, and just spending more time with friends, taking those trips. Um, and yeah, I'm glad that I, I did take that time off. Um, but yeah, it has been a struggle to to regain that momentum and like find new clients and sort of get my get my numbers back up to where they used to be. Um, but, yeah, it's sort of this balance of um, being aware of it and be, trying to make the right decisions to to move the needle, but also just enjoying the slow season Um Cause I, yeah, I was talking to my granddad about it and he was like, you used to be so busy that you wouldn't have time to sit around and, and binge watch Netflix or play video games with friends. And now you just need to enjoy it whilst you can, because it will get to a point again when, when I am super busy, um, you know, touch wood, <laughs> hopefully it will get to a point where I am booked out again. And, um, and I am busy doing new things and I'll look back and be like, Thank God I had that time to really um, just relax and kind of like discover myself again and spend more time with friends. And yeah. Yeah.
0: Actually, it sounds like, you know, you said you believe in flow and everything happens for a reason. Mm. And it sounds just like that. You've had to have this time for you to reconnect with yourself. For you to get a better understanding of who you are as just Zoe, mm. not Zoe and partner, just Zoe and for you to be able to explore these other little areas that have come up but i think yeah. as a business owner as well that's that we're often pretty much only always going to have that struggle with balance between our physical and mental health self-care and balancing it with our business and our dreams ambitions and desires that we want to get out of our business especially when things like that crop up and it's it's so nice for you to say that you know that you're gonna enjoy what, what you've got at the moment because you know, you you will get books out again. The services that you offer are always fabulous. And the way you explain things is so helpful. And one of the reasons that people hire you and yeah, I totally think you should enjoy it while you can because before you know it, you'll be hustling, you'll be busy, so busy you won't be able to do those things like binge watch netflix and play your video games
1: yeah exactly yeah it is, is a case of enjoying it whilst it lasts um but yeah balancing that with you know i need to take the steps now to be able to get to the point in the future where i am busy again um but it's just those steps seem to be taken a lot slower than than usual like you know this time last year some of the stuff I'd been working on for the past you know, like few months would have been finished by now um, because I would have had to because I had so many clients at the same time and so many deadlines that I would have to be more productive. Um, but yeah, nothing wrong with it. It's just a change of pace, which is um, welcomed.
0: But then it's also the idea that when you move forward and you do get busy, to still be able to take some of that enjoyment in actually living your life with you you mentioned one of the things that you know you mentioned two of them you mentioned you know spending more time with our music and writing so I just want to jump in with that right now because you've started um an Instagram music channel haven't you yeah and it's so cute and I freaking love it it's one of my <laughs> favorite things whenever you update it I sit there listening to it and my husband's like I know that song I'm like yeah you do <laughs> it's like <laughs> I don't me. know singing it and I'm like no so, my husband used to work for HMD so he, he's like he used to be really with the music and everything and then oh my god it's a different version I'm like yeah and it's really cute because it's with the ukulele
1: yeah so I have been doing music stuff so I used to do it properly like when I was at uni um I had like a SoundCloud and everything and would like upload covers of songs um And I did it like quite consistently. Um, And then, so, yeah, I think I I stopped when my mom passed away because I was like, this just feels weird to continue. And it wasn't something that I was like, I didn't feel like pushed to do it. Um, And then I kind of carried on a little. And when I got with my boyfriend, like he was into music, but we were I don't know, not into the same kind of stuff. And, um, we had like different singing styles and, um, I just kind of, it just like fell by the wayside. And then, yeah, recently, um, so maybe like February or something, I decided to start writing some songs again. Um, and I was writing songs and uploading them. To set, I think I wrote, like, three songs in three weeks or something and was like, okay, this I want to roll. This is great. And one of the things that I've always wanted to do and that I attempted a couple of times over the years was to create an Instagram account with videos of me singing. But I was just so self-conscious um, of, like, what I looked like when I was singing or that um, I don't know. Yeah, mainly just, like, appearances is what I was – self-conscious about, um, because I'd happily record a song and put it up without video. Um, and I've been, that's what I'd been doing in the past. Um, but it just got to a point one day where I was like, you know what, I just need to do it because I, I constantly have Instagram stories of me talking. Um, I'm fine with putting my face out there. Um, but for some reason, something was holding me back in terms of singing. And I think, I think that singing is sort of a whole different Ball game for people um in terms of self-esteem. Like someone could be really confident, but then when they have to sing, even if they have a great singing voice, it's like a whole other thing they have to be confident in. Um and yeah, I yeah, one day I was just like, I'm gonna do it. I just filmed a video of me singing um an Adele song, and I was like, Okay, this is fine, I'm gonna do it. And I connected it as well to my um like a facebook page so i could share it on there and i was like i'm just gonna share it as much as possible and it's like out there and then you know everyone that i like friends in real life would have seen it and that was kind of a, more of a scary thought is that my in real life friends will see this video and be and like maybe i don't know care in some way but it's like you know most of the time people don't care like what you look like or anything they, they're they just happy that you're doing what you love. Um, and so once I did that I was I posted it I was I'm gonna push it as far as I can and then I know that loads of people have seen it and that kind of like rips the band-aid off um and then yeah I just started to um post more I was trying to get really consistent with it but I sort of it sort of fell behind um but now it's just kind of like a, if I feel like doing it, I'll post a video um, and I always get a nice reaction. Um, and yeah, it's not something where I'm like, oh, I want to get it to X number of followers or anything like that. It's just purely a creative outlet. And yeah, I'm enjoying it. And I think that, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that I did it. And yeah, it was helpful to kind of like rip that bandaid off and just, and just do it.
0: So was it a more of a mindset issue to get you to rip the band-aid off? Or was it a bit of anxiety there as well?
1: It was definitely mindset. It wasn't an anxiety thing. It was just sort of like worrying that, yeah, more like worry. Because the thing is, I don't really care if a 100 internet strangers see something. But I care about if people I know in real life see something. Not Not more like my friends, but more like you know, an acquaintance or like someone I knew at uni or so. Do, do you know what I mean? Like,
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I totally understand.
1: Yeah, it's kind of, like I don't really care. But at the same time, I'm just, yeah, I guess like hesitant or like worried what someone might think of me. But then as soon as I um, question it, like, why do I care? It's like, I actually don't really care. Um, So then, yeah, I just, I just do it. But yeah, I mean, they even had that when I started Instagram stories, there are, there are a few people There was a, actually a group of people that I blocked from my Instagram stories. And after I did it a few times of like me talking on camera, it got to a point where I was like, I looked at the list and was like, why do I care? Like, why have I blocked these people? Like now that I've done it and I realized that I'm, you know, all I'm doing is talking about my business or, you know, why should I not want these people to see, um, And then I just unblocked them and now it's like, yeah. Uh, So I felt like it was the same process of, um, you know, what happened with my Instagram stories then when I started this music thing. And I'll probably do the same again if I start something else that feels, feels vulnerable Um, is that, yeah, just kind of going through that process of like, are there any people I don't want to see this? And then being like, but why? And then just like going for it instead um, because yeah, I think a lot of people can hold themselves back from doing something that puts them in a vulnerable position because they're worried of what maybe a group of people or maybe even a particular person might think. Um and yeah, I yeah. can totally
0: relate. When I started being more vocal and talking about living with endometriosis and for me it, it was really it was originally just my inner circle. So my family, my husband's family. That was easy, but then when it became, and then when it, like you said, when it's a bunch of strangers, you've got no shits at all because, you know, their opinion doesn't really matter. But then Mm. when it's other people that you haven't spoken to in the last like five years that don't know that I've had all this surgery and I've had, you know, these fertility issues and whatnot, and then it's just the vulnerability of putting yourself out there without actually having the conversation with them first. And you're kind of like, oh God, if they read this before, And it just feels so big and scary. And then it's like, but you've just ballooned it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because
0: it's not really that big and scary. It's just you putting out what you've done into the world. And then they're either going to accept it or they're not. And they're not going to get hung up on it. They'll just be like, not interested, move on. But it just feels like you're going to be judged. And they're not going to like it. And then they're going to tell you. And it's just scary. Mm. Another thing that you were doing outside of your comfort zone and this is something that you said in the beginning that I'm just going to pick on, is that um, you talked about Instagram stories, which is where you are a lot of the time, isn't it? Mm, Yeah, (laughs) I love Instagram stories. (laughs) Yeah, is you say you're not a writer, but you want to write a book. And you say Mm -hmm. you're not a writer, but when we are talking at the beginning, you said you you don't really like speaking and stuff. You don't feel as confident as you do with writing. And you Mm -hmm. write blog posts, which does make you a
1: writer yeah no I've always I've always struggled with this like mindset because it's like it's to me it feels like saying I'm a chef because I've cooked something (laughs) it's like I've I've written something but am I a writer because to be a quote-unquote writer don't I have to have I don't even know hit some kind of milestones and it's sort of like you know that is if you proclaim yourself as a writer and you start telling people you're a writer then people are going to describe you as a writer and then aren't you a writer it's a weird kind of like an, an illusion um of you know what and it you know it's the same by saying oh i'm a singer and it's like but am i just because i sing does that make me a singer um you know someone who takes photographs uh you know a family event does that make them a photographer um so that's yeah just like a weird mindset but I do think like deep down I am a writer um but I don't feel called to write all the time um when I do feel called I will write like crazy um but I know that some people who are writers um they just write like every day like they need to write um and yeah I go through phases with it so I think that's where I've kind of struggled with that um that mindset
0: yeah it's another mindset isn't it because according to the Cambridge dictionary a writer is a person who writes articles books etc to be published so it's the it's the limitation it's the expectations you set yourself Mm on what you class as a writer isn't it like Mm -hmm. generally but I think that's a society view as well isn't it that to be a writer you have to publish a book
1: yeah but to me it's like there's a different that's the difference between being a writer and being an author yeah Um, because I think if someone like I would probably describe myself as a singer because I sing every day and I have to sing every day like if I have to sing otherwise I mean I can't remember a day that I haven't sung in You know, I couldn't tell you the last day, but I could tell you the last day I wrote something. Um, So I think that, yeah, I do want to write and I do have, you know, like ideas of what I would write in terms of like a fiction book. Um, But I feel, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of this weird yeah it's a weird mindset thing I feel like it's almost an offence to actual writers to like describe myself (laughs) as a writer when I don't I'm not currently doing it if that makes sense yeah Um, because
0: I would say I'm a writer because I write every day but I mm. wouldn't say I'm an author or a novelist because I've never written a book or Ha- I have that mindset on writing a book Because I've got plenty of ideas But sitting down to write it, it just disappears Yeah But I couldn't go a day without writing something so mm. like you're singing
1: Yeah, because I mean I do write I write emails <laughs> <laughs> I write, you know Content But yeah, I don't know It's not the same Like to me, it doesn't feel the same As being a writer if that makes sense maybe I've just like idealized it too much maybe I've put it on a pedestal and I think it's like something I need to achieve and I feel like I don't have that the honor of being a writer yet if that makes sense
0: yeah when I was at university I studied English literature and I went in this class um like you know one of the beginning classes and they were all like you know what's your dream what's this what's that you know everybody went in like with sort of expectations you know i want to be in publicity or i want Mm. to be in publishing or i um one of the people that i connected with wanted to be like you know the next biggest author Mm. and then after we'd gone around like you know in a big circle and everybody said one thing about themselves whatever like by the end of the week that person that i connected with at the beginning was like Shit! Quite a few people want to be the next big author. How am I going to do it? I can't do it. And, mm-hmm. it's, and it, I, that just really stuck with me because just because one of the one of the person wants to do it too doesn't mean that you can't do it as well. Yeah. In a different way, they're not going to write the next great big thing in the same way you would do it. You know, it's like two people go and have the same experience, but when mm-hmm. they go and tell somebody about it, they write it completely differently. Or explain it completely differently wouldn't they
1: yeah exactly and it's just one also, of those
0: things that's just stuck with me
1: mm. also I think if someone's trying to be the next biggest anything then like if someone's trying tr- and that's their aim like to be something big then I feel like their heart isn't in the right place I feel mm. like if you if you want to create then you should create um for the love of it and then if that ends up being the next biggest thing then that's great but you know it's sort of like if somebody starts um a you know like a youtube channel with the aim of being a gigantic youtuber and that's it then you know that you need to have like the passion and and the um yeah like the drive behind what you're doing when you're creating anything in order to to get to that point um but yeah, I don't know. I feel like, yeah. Have you read Big Magic?
0: Yeah. It took yeah. me ages to get into it though. But once I did, I was hooked.
1: Yeah. Like the way she talks about how you're just like called to create things and how she talks about how ideas, um, ide- So we, <laughs> she kind of says it in this way, but like in our family, um, we always joked that if somebody had an idea, it would turn into an idea bubble. And then you would either, if you didn't, take hold of the idea quick enough it would float around and pop on someone else's head and then they would have the idea um and she kind of talks about that in a similar way um in big magic about how ideas are like called to you and if you don't take hold of it quick enough then it will go away and go to somebody else Mm. um and how she talks, she has that like anecdote of how she came up with the story yeah. and then she met up for coffee and, and this other author had the exact same idea and it was like completely bizarre. Um, and then she went from calling
0: it, but well, once they connected about it, what I liked about it is that the person that then had her idea started calling it their story.
1: Yeah. Oh, I just love that book so much.
0: It is a, a good book. It's definitely worth a read.
1: Yeah. People
0: haven't read um, it already
1: but yeah, really helpful in terms of understanding like my own creativity and the need, like the feeling of like being called to write and being called to create music and just listening to like my instincts with it. Um, because sometimes I go through, you know, like I'm not feeling recently, like particularly called to create anything, um, because I'm just in this sort of like phase of um, like bumbling along, (laughs) like trying to find my feet with things. But some days I wake up and I'm like, I need to make some music. And I don't even know what that would be, but I just start creating it and it just comes out. And some days I wake up and it's like, I, I feel like I need to write something. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's, it's hard to really put a label on that feeling and Saying I'm a writer or you know quote unquote a, write- a writer or a singer um, kind of feels feels weird or it almost yeah it just kind of feels like unnecessary almost because i know I know what i'm feeling and i'll I'll create what I feel like I need to create um, but I wouldn't define myself as those things
0: what would you define yourself as
1: I would probably i would probably just say generally like I'm a creative person um like I feel like I'm one of those people that um if I want to do something I will learn how to do it and I will do it um and obviously there there are certain areas yeah like writing or music um that I'm more um I'm more called towards um but if one day I woke up and wanted to paint then I would go and do that and i feel that yeah creativity just kind of like is a part of who i am um and it sort of like runs through it runs through my business as well and yeah i would sort of it's a bit of a cop-out answer i'd just say i'm a creative (laughs) nothing in particular um but but yeah
0: it covers more of a broader spectrum instead of having to push yourself into a little hole in one category doesn't it and it's like you say it gives you the freedom to pick whatever you you know goes your way whatever you end up fancying doing
1: mm. yeah because I've always been you know like when um when we were younger me and my sisters would do like plays and I've always been you know Um, I come from like a theatrical family so I was always involved in the theater and and drama and stuff like that and um, then we would used to make like short films so I've got like I'd always be doing like editing and stuff like that and um, yeah I just feel like there's so many um, what's the word there's so many different paths of like different ways that I can be creative. And it just depends on like what I'm focusing on at the time. Um, But yeah, it's definitely like, that's just my mindset. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't class myself as, as, I wouldn't define myself as a writer probably because of that. It's like, I feel like I'm, um, there are so many different avenues to explore with, like my personal creativity um that I wouldn't be like oh I'm just this one thing and do you think that applies to your business because you
0: um not so recently but you've pivoted your business from how you started haven't you
1: yeah so originally I was doing um social media strategy and then I sort of started offering influencer marketing um because that's what I did when I worked in London as well as social media um for clients and I in offering influencer marketing I sort of stumbled into a role um that was uh managing an affiliate program. Um so I did that for a bit and then focused more on the um, social media strategy stuff had some like other influence marketing clients and then I fell into another role that was um managing an affiliate program and was like okay this is what I'm good at and this is what I really enjoy doing um and then I started to um kind of be known for that um and yeah with my client referral circle um I started to generate more word of mouth um and yeah just have people recommending me to each other and yeah now I'm sort of like known more known for doing um affiliate program management and strategy and um yeah being like it's nice being a lot more niche uh than what I was doing before which was um yeah i just felt a bit jumbled and that i my focus was really split and in turn my content marketing was really split and um i was yeah getting a lot of people you know like my email list was growing but it was a diverse group of people and it wasn't um it wasn't a group that were interested in in one particular thing whilst now with my affiliate program Uh, management and strategy stuff Um, my list the way my list grows is through pretty much one freebie um, which is uh, my like affiliate program starter guide which is like everything you need to know to get started Um, so everyone that joins through that I know is going to be interested in affiliate programs and I can really just focus on that content Um, and yeah that's really helped um, kind of like having that I feel like I've found a really sweet spot in that, in that niche, um, with affiliate program stuff. Um, yeah, just cause I don't, I don't really know, um, I only know like a couple of other people that offer it, um, specifically in our like circle of female entrepreneurs. Um, so yeah, I feel like I do feel like I, I'm really lucky in that I found that, um, that sweet spot and, Yeah, it was just sort of something I like kind of accidentally fell into. Um accidentally on purpose, I should say. Um but yeah. How do you do um,
0: accidentally on purpose?
1: (laughs) Well, so initially um the client so I had that client where I did her affiliate programme, but that was under the guise of um not guise, it's the wrong word. Uh, sounds like I'm a fraud um, under the umbrella of influence marketing. So, the second client that I had, um, that I managed her affiliate program and I still do manage her affiliate program. Um, she reached out to me and she wanted help with influencer marketing. And we had a couple of emails back and forth. And she came to the conclusion that she didn't want help with influencer marketing. And I ended up being persistent and being like, let's jump on a call and see what you want. Um, and glad, I'm glad that I didn't just let it slide. Um, because we went on a call and we were talking and, um, she was like, I feel like I need help with it, but I'm not sure in what way. And I was like, do you have an affiliate program? And she said, yeah, I do, but I'm not doing anything with it. Um, I just started it uh, a few months ago and it got too hard to manage. And I was like, look, I've handled a a client's affiliate program before. Um, I can, I can do that again. And, um, she was like that sounds perfect so we started working together um, and yeah I've been working with her uh, for yeah about 18 months now Um, and we grew her program from like 60 people to it has nearly now like 900 affiliates. Wow Um, that's amazing Zoe. Yeah so it's been really great working with her and um, yeah, so that's where I kind of mean like accidentally on purpose because, um, it's not something where I went in that cool thinking I'm going to do her affiliate program and this is what I want to be focused on. Um, but it sort of ended up being, um, being that. And, um, yeah, I'm really glad that it did because that was sort of like the kickoff point of, you know, being known for affiliate program stuff and, uh, finding new clients, um, for it. And, and yeah, I'm really grateful for that.
0: Is it okay if I ask you a couple of questions about affiliate marketing? Because it's kind of different from what I know affiliate marketing as, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Because you do it for digital products, don't you? That, like, like, say, for example, somebody's created a car, then you can help them create the affiliate marketing for that, don't you?
1: Yeah. So I, I would help them start an affiliate program, find them affiliates to promote their course and then go from there. And so can it be for all digital products or is it just really classes? Uh, yeah. So it could be cool. A course, uh, you know, like template shop, um, an ebook. It could be a membership. Um, it could even be like, yeah, it tends to work better for, um, so, yeah, for a digital product. Cause I was going to say it could even be like a live coaching program or something, but, um, Yeah, typically I found that affiliate marketing, affiliate programs work best um, with evergreen products than something that is on a launch by launch basis, Um, just because it gives affiliates more time to, to um, get content out there and, you know, create, create evergreen content and funnels towards the product. Um, But yeah. Yeah, mainly um, digital products. That's what I work on. But yeah, it can work for physical products too. And um, services work in terms of having a client referral program. Oh,
0: wow, that's amazing. Because I've only really seen it done with courses. And I think like a couple of years ago, I saw it being on e-books, but it wasn't as big a thing as it has been with people doing affiliate marketing, affiliate just for the courses. Mm. but it's amazing that you said you know that it can be used for like template charts and um that you can actually do it with services as well yeah so is it like is it like another source of passive income in a way then
1: yeah so it's basically like you have spent all this time creating your course or your or your ebook or your membership or whatever and it's just a way, um, so yeah, I just call it like a strategic word of mouth. Um, it's just a way of getting people to promote that product, um, through recommending you to, you or the product to their audience. Um, and I, yeah, I think it is, it's not completely passive in the way, well, I don't think anything is completely passive income. No, it's but, like passive with inverted commas. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it takes, it takes a lot of time to set up an affiliate program and create everything, you know, especially creating assets for affiliates to promote. Um, but that said, once you've done all of that, um, it's passive in the way that it is the same amount of work to create an affiliate program for 10 affiliates as it is to create an affiliate program for a hundred affiliates. Um, so it's super scalable and It means that people are promoting your product in the background. You're not really actively doing much to, um, to promote your own product. Um, other people are doing it for you. Um, then yeah, when you start to see sales coming in, um, it could be, you know, it could be on a day where you've done literally nothing and suddenly someone's promoted something to their email list and you've got like 10 sales in one day. and it feels passive in that sense, um, but then yeah, you're offering them commission as well, so you're 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 taking a cut on your um, your income from the sale. Um, but it's always worth it because they sent the person your way in the first place. Um, if you hadn't have, if they hadn't have promoted you, then you probably wouldn't have made that sale to that customer. Um, yeah, that's just how I see it
0: no that's seriously amazing it's
1: really like kind of mind-blowing a little bit isn't it really Mm. yeah it's so cool that it's like you could literally be working on one thing and suddenly you could have loads of sales in your inbox because an affiliate has promoted something for you
0: and I saw you on Instagram a while ago doing the cutest thing ever you did a um was it an affiliate program toolkit or something like toolkit
1: yeah, so I made an affiliate program toolkit, um, which is basically everything you need to start your affiliate program in a box. It's like tutorials, a step-by-step strategy guide, um, loads of templates, um, workflows, um, and I have some new like tech tutorials that I added in there recently. Um, there's like a really supportive Facebook group as well. Um, so that's like for someone who wants to start an affiliate program but doesn't want to outsource it to somebody or even if you wanted to um I have some people who have bought it but then um enrolled their uh, VA so that their VA like learns everything and, and it implements it for them oh, um cool. yeah so I'm happy to do that as well um but yeah that's actually something that was really fun to create and um I really didn't want to create another course um, because I'd created two courses in the past and I didn't really enjoy making them very much Um, and like in terms of the actual process of it and uh, with this I just wanted to create something that was really um, useful from the get-go. I didn't want people to have to sit through loads of lessons before they could take action on something um which is why there's lots of templates in there and um the tutorials are really um you can pick and choose what you want to watch uh and you know not all of it applies to everybody um but yeah it's sort of like everything you need to get started what's more fun to create the toolkit or to do a cast yeah, definitely the toolkit. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just cause it was, um, well, a lot of it was, you know, instead of teaching people how to do something, I'm just like, here it is. Like instead of telling someone, Oh, this is how you should write an email to affiliates. I've just written a template for them and they can just tweak that. Um, so yeah, I found it that I found it to be much more like actionable. Um, then creating a course and hopefully I'm going to be creating more toolkits like down the line. I'd love to have like a range of different things um, like a client referral toolkit or a collaboration toolkit or just like things to help people um, get the word out there about their products or services. Um, But yeah, things that are, it will just be full of things that are actionable and that they can, that are ready to use straight away.
0: Yeah, that'd be wonderful and amazing because that's one thing of the things I know you for is you're creating your little client circle, referral yeah. circle.
1: Yeah, I love it.
0: But one of the things that I was saying was that it was really popular for everybody once they started something and someone enrolled, they put a post-it on the wall, but you did something really, really cute. You have a beautiful dog called Marla and yeah. every time somebody enrolled, you got her to do a trick
1: yeah oh my god that was so cute it was adorable yeah everyone everyone would literally go crazy for that like every time I would tag somebody and be like oh welcome to the toolkit they I would just get a message being like oh my god she's so cute um like whatever trick she did and she's got quite a lot of tricks up her sleeve now um (laughs) so it wasn't like getting her to sit like every time somebody joined um so yeah that was fun um Yeah, and that was like, I was going to do the post-it note thing and then I was kind of like, but everybody does that and I just wanted to come up with something um, slightly different and I remember just looking down and seeing Nala and was like, okay, okay, I'm going to get Nala to do tricks.
0: (laughs) It was the highlight of my day every time somebody joined to see Nala do some tricks. Wasn't one of them where you said um, a Harry Harry Potter spell and she does something?
1: Oh yeah, I say Avada Kedavra and she um, plays dead yeah (laughs) I think that's amazing and adorable
0: how long have you had Nala for um three
1: years in April I think yeah
0: three years has she helped you with um your anxiety and running your business from home um to be a companion as well
1: yeah so when when me and my boyfriend at the time like first moved back here um I knew well we knew we wanted to get a dog and I think we were gonna wait a bit longer but um it got to a point where you know he had a job I was working from home and I was like I feel like I need something somebody around um just like keep me company and um I was like yeah I want to look at getting a dog and um yeah, she's she's been really helpful um, in terms of, yeah, just like having a, a different, what's really the word? I was going to say like a being, like having a different, like another life around has been really helpful. Um, yeah, in terms of like the companionship, if I have a day where I'm feeling particularly down or anxious then just like sitting and snuggling with her it's really helpful um yeah she's just such a good dog <laughs> she's um she's really tolerant as well um so she'll pretty much do anything that i ask and i'm i can be pretty needy um so <laughs> yeah she gets lots of snuggles um but, yeah, no, I, it, it, I'm i glad that I got her when I did, um, even though I had to take a couple of weeks of, off work at the time um, to, like, get her trained up and everything. Um, and I wasn't getting any sleep because, um, uh, yeah, we got her as a puppy. Um, but, yeah, I'm so glad for her. She's just now sat under my desk enjoying, this, um, enjoying the sound of the rain and the candle. <laughs>
0: She, so she's been really good for your mental health as well then
1: mm-hmm, yeah definitely even she, just to like get me out the house and, yeah I was just
0: gonna um, say she helped force out the house when you wouldn't have normally wanted to go
1: yeah yeah definitely and it helps in terms of if I have people around she can be quite a good distraction um because it's nice to like have something sort of separate to focus on sometimes um if that makes does that make sense yeah yeah because it's kind of like if I start to feel a bit anxious I can be like oh let's take the dog for a walk or I can just sort of like mess around with her and sort of make a fuss out of her kind of thing and just like takes the attention and the pressure off of me um so yeah that's been helpful as well um but yeah I think even just that I mean I'm sure there are studies that show like even just like petting a dog um, helps calm you down and feel better.
0: Yeah, there should be to be somewhere, shouldn't they? Because everybody yeah. has dogs. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned earlier in the podcast that you lost your mum. Yeah. And obviously, that will have had a big impact impact on your life and your family's life as well. Mm-hmm. How have you dealt with this? Because losing a family member is really difficult.
1: Mm. Um, so it was about five and a half years ago now. Um, and yeah, at the time it was just a case of like being, um, my, me and my family are quite close anyway, because we've suffered losses before and that kind of has always like brought us closer together. Um, and yeah, at the time it was just kind of like, spending a lot of time with my older sister um and just sort of grieving um together then I guess where I had to go back to uni and then it was shortly after that that I got with my boyfriend um so in terms of dealing with it it was some it was it was a gradual process of yeah just sort of like openly talking about it Um, and um, I'm not sure how to phrase it but um, yeah just kind of like openly talking about it being like there for each other like in terms of my family um, and yeah just like understanding what made me feel better and what Yeah, just kind of like facing it head on at the same time, um, like having to go back to uni and people either asking me about it or like just having, um, I remember like a lecturer came up to me and was like, oh, it's really brave that you've, you've come back to uni and me me just being like, yeah, it is what it is. Like, there's nothing that I can do to change it. Um, And there's not really much point in me, um, you know, like I've had my time to grieve and now life goes on and that's what she would have wanted so yeah how what
0: kind of support did you get obviously you got your part from your family but did you receive any other support after losing your mum
1: yeah so I had um I have a really great group of friends that I've spoken about before so I got a lot of support from them it was a case of like having people I could call at any time um having like group Skype sessions where we would all just talk, um, having friends like my friends at uni at the time, um, were really great. Um, they were just great for like distractions as well. Um, just like getting me to think about other things. Um, but then also having those people where I could just talk and talk and talk, um, and sort of like let it all out. Um, but yeah, I think especially when I was at uni, those friendships um, were really important because I, was, I went to uni in Bournemouth and, and that's like four or five hours away from where I live now. Um, so it wasn't like I was a quick trip home. Um, I was like really far out. So um, yeah, those friendships were really important um, at the time.
0: And then obviously it affected your dad and your sister's you offered to part to each other as well?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And it was always a case of, like, just openly... Because I think, like, especially... Yeah, sometimes, um, you know, at the time, it's like people would just spontaneously start crying and you'd be like, okay, we we'll all gather round and there, there, there. But nowadays, it's kind of a... Um, yeah, it's not as, like it's weird. Yeah. It's not as like openly spoken about because it's something that is, uh, not like actively on our minds every single day. Um, but if there are times when it's like unsaid that somebody, so for example, um, my younger sister got engaged and last year she had an engagement party. And when everyone left, um, I remember feeling like really down because I was like, my mom should have been there um and I think everyone was feeling it but no one said anything and I just got I just we all ate dinner and then they were in the kitchen like clearing stuff up and I just went to the kitchen and was like "Mum should have been here and started crying and then everyone like started crying and we all hugged each other and we were like yeah she should have been here but and it's just like moments like that where it's like we're all here like we're all on the same page um but sometimes it takes a bit of like coaxing (laughs) because no one wants to be the person to like bring the mood down I guess but sometimes it just needs to be said
0: yeah it can be really difficult can't it I suppose I'm on the other end of the spectrum I lost my dad um nine years ago now and I'm I'm an only child and once my dad passed it was just me and my mum and my husband um my mum since met somebody else and remarried um so we're stuck in that awkward conversation when my dad comes up feeling a bit bad for my stepdad but my dad and my stepdad we're were friends Mm. so you kind of have that thing as well but for me I I think in some aspects yeah it must be hard for you to broach the subject but you've got your siblings to support you in it when I have my mum and I have to (laughs) go ring my mum or I turn to my husband because there's you know there's nobody else in my life that you know has had that long enough connection. Mm. Like my dad was quite a bit older, so he's lost, you know, his friends at the time and stuff are no longer with us either, really now.
1: Mm.
0: And it's, I think, it's really lovely that you had that support. And you know, it's just that who pushes who first to who will break first
1: to yeah bring it, to bring <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, it's just sort of a like mindset of, I, I feel like some families could maybe not be as open and maybe you know bottle it up but like i said like we've suffered loss before um so like a year and a half before my mom died her sister died my aunt and um that was obviously like really horrible to go through and both of them were quite sudden as well um so but yeah like we all you know here at the barns ended up being like a hub for so many people to come in and say um and see us and you know all grieve together and it was such a um yeah it just means that we all became closer, and you know when you've been through something like that with with other people it just um you have that constant um you know link um but yeah it has it is it is nice to have that um have that support and um yeah just that I can't really think of the right word um But that thing, that like connection of like, we've been through this, um, and you know, like as a family, like we've been through so much and it's like, if we, you know, if we can do this, then we can, we can handle like whatever comes our way.
0: Yeah. So if somebody's in a similar situation of losing a parent, is there any advice that you would give something that they need to be aware of?
1: Um... I would firstly say there's literally no right way to ca- to go about anything. Um, like, whatever you do is right. Like, if you have a day where you feel happy, then that's fine. If you have a day where you can't get out of bed, then that's fine. Um, if you don't cry in public, then that's fine. If you cry in public all the time, then that's fine too. Like, um, just, yeah, just deal with it in the way that you are happy to um the other thing I would say is that expect at the beginning to have a lot of people saying oh you know I'll do anything I'm here if you need me um you know a lot of checking in on you um but then after time um that sort of dies out and um I think that and as well just if you know somebody who um like as a friend like if you have a friend who has recently lost a parent then um try and remember to check in on them um you know months after the fact because i think that's when the support is is more needed i yeah, think totally
0: that, totally at, with
1: that. yeah i think at the time it's overwhelming the amount of support you get and then 6 months to a year down the line when you actually feel like okay i'm ready to talk about this and i'm ready to um you know, I've, I'm have i not crying all the time but as soon as I think about it, then that's when you, like, need the people to ask about it. And I think, like, for me personally, people just stopped asking me. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that I maybe needed that because I'm not someone who walks into a room and I'm like, this is me, here I am, like, here's what I'm feeling, blah, blah, blah. I'm someone who... You need to ask me the right questions um, or I'm not going to, like, come out of my shell kind of thing. Um, And, yeah, I think aside from, yeah, I I, I can't really remember, like, especially after the first, like, few months or so, I didn't really get a lot of that kind of support, just, like, people checking in. I get stuff like, you know, on the anniversary or um, on Mother's Day, I get messages um, saying, like, thinking of you, blah, blah, blah. But, um, and I mean, it's not something that I particularly need now because it has been, you know, so much time has passed. Um, But, yeah, in the early, like, at least in the first year, um, yeah, if you are. a friend of someone who has lost a parent and then try and remember to um, check in on them. Um, Because yeah, it is, like I said, it's overwhelming the amount of messages you get at the beginning Um, and then it just sort of um, stops when you need it most.
0: Yeah, that's also true. I think the thing is, as you said, like it, it, when it's not as fresh, when you've had a few months or a year to settle into this new way of living without this amazing member of your family, that mm. that's when you tend to need the support a bit more, especially like towards the first anniversary, like before and after it, not just in it. Because I think sometimes that can make it worse when people are constant, like on the anniversaries and things. That yeah. Be, well, it's been quite a few years now. I've kind of just forgotten that that was the anniversary. Thanks for <laughs> reminding me. Mm and you kind of don't really need that
1: yeah yeah like I said it's kind of different for for everybody um yeah and there is no like right or wrong way of going about it um but yeah I think uh I think that's just something I I tend to um advise like I had a couple of people um you know over the past few years ask me like you know all my friends um parent passed away do you, like do you know the best way i can handle this or you know like a boyfriend whose girlfriend's parent just passed away or something and it's like just remember that um remember to keep checking in on them about it even even though time has passed um yeah i just think that's a really important piece of advice <laughs>
0: yes definitely for sure thank you so much for being a guest on the
1: podcast today Zoe oh thanks so much for having me I've loved talking to you and yeah being able to tell you my life story
0: (laughs) so we've covered other subjects that I feel that you've been particularly brave about you know openly and honestly talking about your anxiety um how you know Breaking up from your partner changed you and helped with your anxiety. How you've been pivoting your business, losing your mum, the cuteness that is Nala. But what do you feel is the bravest thing you have done?
1: Um. Yeah. So I was thinking about this because I was wondering what I would say. Um, <laughs> and. <laughs> <to everybody>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was thinking that with bravery um I feel like there's a lot of stuff that so I'm trying to articulate this I feel like there's a lot of things where I feel like I've needed courage to do it um like breaking up with my boy with my boyfriend like a lot of people said oh it's really brave or you know like leaving Lon- leaving like a cushy job in London to start my own business um people saying that was brave, but I feel like there's a difference between doing something that's a choice and having, you know, having to have the courage to do it and being, I feel like bravery is the most poignant when it is in a situation where you, it, that is out of your control and I feel like I'm, I've am i been the most brave when I've been put in a situation where it's like, okay, how do I deal with this? And um, it's not a choice that I made. Um, so I was thinking that probably the bravest I've ever been is when my mom died. Um, because me and my sister, my younger sister, we were on holiday in Italy um, when it happened. And we found out um, like through my dad calling us and we had to decide like whether we had like one day left um, in on holiday, but we decided to like go home the next day. And that day was like probably the worst day because we had to basically get from the apartment that we were in. We had to get a train um, to Milan and then we had to get, a coach from Milan to the airport And then we had to wait at the airport for ages And then we had to get a flight Back home to London And then we had to fly, um, get Go back to the car And then drive all the way back home And it was basically a day, a full day of travelling With We had to just remain um, We had to remain What's the word I'm looking for um, We had to be composed like the whole day um because though we'd literally within the last 12 hours had found out that our mom had died we couldn't be complete wrecks because we had to get this done and we had to get home um and I think and as well if I broke down then my younger sister would have just broke down and we wouldn't have got anywhere um so I think that was the bravest that I've ever been um it definitely feels like the bravest moment. Um, There are probably other things that I've like maybe forgotten about, but that was like a a real like big sister day. Like I had to be there for her and I had to organize everything and make sure that we got, you know, the right transport on time and um, that, you know, the whole day we just wanted to do nothing and just cry, but we had to get through all that and then get home. Um, And yeah that was that was a hard day but I think yeah that's the bravest I've been
0: yeah that's amazing too I don't think I would have been able to do that
1: I would have been publicly crying the whole
0: journey just sobbing my little heart out
1: yeah at least the weather was really sunny so I had an excuse to wear sunglasses Um, (laughs) because I remember I had to get up really early in the morning to get to go and buy train tickets because we were worried that there wouldn't be Um, if we waited till the train that the train would be full, um, and it was like we needed to get that exact train to get the flight, catch the flight home. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it was high pressure day.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that with us.
1: That's all right. It's, um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's weird to relive it, but yeah.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a very brave moment. Mm. And again, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Can you let us know where we can find you online?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, mainly I'm on Instagram, um, if you couldn't tell already. Um, So you can find me at at ZoeLinda underscore. um, And then my website is ZoeLinda.co.uk.
0: Awesome, and i'll leave the link below where you can find zoe's post on medium and access to look at zoe's toolkit that we've talked about as well and again thank you so much zoe for coming on and talking it has been such a joy to have you on
1: perfect thanks so much for having me on i've really enjoyed it you're welcome thank you again thank you
0: so much for listening to this episode of continuously brave if you have any questions about the topics mentioned, do feel free to drop into my DMs at Ali Grossmure, or you can email me at hey at Ali Grossmure. All the links mentioned will be added into the show notes. Please, please subscribe to the podcast and I'd love it if you have a few minutes to spare and you'd love to leave a retu- review on iTunes. And again, thank you so much for listening to Continuously Brave. I'll see you in the next episode. <music>